Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. If you want peace, prepare for war. Good evening and welcome to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. I will serve. And to my left, we have who was formerly known as the professor, but tonight we are calling him the adjudicator. I will be of service. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing good. I mean, we're talking about John Wick. Chapter three, Parabellum. Let's, let's be clear. Uh, <clears throat> there are two more John Wicks in the series of Mr. Wick, and we are going to talk about the third one. So if uh, you haven't seen the first two, well, that's on you. And uh, so, yeah, we've already said spoilers. So there it is. And, and why couldn't we have started with the first one? I don't know, John. You are the motherfucker that put the motherfucking movie in the motherfucking helmet. So you tell me, why didn't we start with the third, uh, first one? Yeah, why do we do that? I picked this one because it was different than the other two. Uh, in the first two, John Wick is the hunter. And we know exactly what he's after. He's after revenge pretty much both movies the the second one is kind of half him doing a job and then him seeking revenge this movie he's being hunted there's more suspense a little bit more story to it and we also draw out more characters some characters that could even have their own side movies or side stories you say it has its own story however this story relies heavily on the second film Maybe not so much the first, I'll give you that. Uh, I kind of think that the first one could have, like The Matrix, stood on its own and been okay. Uh, Super happy that it didn't because I enjoy all three of these films. But without the second one, at least this one doesn't exist. I read somewhere, other movies have done it, but this is a movie where each sequel has actually done better financially than its predecessor. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I would I would dare to say that I would put this in the Toy Story category as each episode getting better film-wise as it went on to. I, <clears throat> this one is, I'm pretty solid about it being my favorite one of the franchise. When you just said that, all of a sudden I got this vision in my head of Woody going all John Wick on the other <laughs> like something happening they kill his what's the name of his horse bullseye bullseye they kill bullseye and he goes all john wick on their asses john wick chapter three parabellum was released on may 17 2019 directed by chad staliski uh it was written by Derek kolstad shay hayden Chris Collins, and Mark Abrams. It stars Keanu Reeves, Halle Berry, Lawrence Fishburne, Mark DeCosco, Asia Kate Dillon, Lance Reddick, uh, Angelica Houston, and Ian McShane. So this one was your action, right? This was my action movie. Okay. All right. 
John Wick is on the run after killing a member of the International Assassin's Guild, and with a $14 million price tag on his head, he is the target of assassins everywhere. How did he get here? Watch the other two movies. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $75 million. Really? Is that right? I felt like it would have been more. I guess only like, or like something like $4 million of it was the whole scene with all the glass. I thought it was four million. Um, it was four million dollars to construct that set, which and, was thro- thrown away after the shoot was done. How many? How many times do you think they did it? Did they say? Did they get it in one take? When they were well, they had uh, they had different sections that they used. They created it first digitally, and then they had it uh, available for virtual. So they set it up on the on the studio. This is the footprint of it, and then they and then they had uh, a virtual headset that they put on, so they could look at it from every conceivable angle, oh, wow. and they could compose how they wanted to shoot the movie. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty pretty slick. Can you imagine? Does he, four million dollars for a set that you're just going to destroy? Do you think he uh, he went through the glass for real? The glass cases. It was it was breakaway glass, and it was certainly something that uh, you know. I, I don't know if they necessarily slowed it down, but the, it was regularly pieces, shards of little pieces of glass and eyes, hands, hair, you know, yeah. getting all of that out and working through it. But it was it was definitely a challenge, but not that much more of a challenge, I don't think, necessarily than what we had in filming John Wick 2's mirror scenes. That's got to be tricky. Well, I'd be curious to know, and, and the reason I'm asking is I'd be curious to know if every time he went through the glass, if they didn't like it, did they have to rebuild it? And then he'd have to go through it again. Or does he do it the one time and they catch it digitally and then they can manipulate it and do it that way? I'm just curious because that fucking scene, and we'll get there, is one of my favorite scenes in the entire film. Hmm. So anyways, this movie was made for $75 million and it grossed $327 million at the box office. Not bad for the third chapter. And like you said, uh, it's one of the movies, uh, the sequels, that uh, did the one, uh, outdid the previous one before it, who outdid the previous one before that. So yeah, pretty good. The studio spent an estimated $48 million on prints and advertising promotions for the film. I'd like to begin with Chad. The director. Yes. Are you familiar with... with the Chad. <laughs> with Chad Strahelinski? I, I know that he... Was he a stunt double for uh, Keanu Reeves in Matrix? Yep. He was. No, stunt double? No, he was a stuntman and body double. Stuntman and body double. That's yeah. what it was. But he was also, he was also uh, the stunt double for Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. But he, he started even before that. He was the stunt double... For Brandon Lee in The Crow. I did read that. And he ended up being used for the finishing shots that they needed after Brandon's death. He's had a a long history of being a stunt coordinator. Uh, I I counted 17 different movies. And he has had a lot of experience being involved as as a stuntman or an action coordinator, or um, a choreographer. He has had uh, some movies of note. I'd like to point out, uh, well, he did The Matrix, uh, Serenity, Dread, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Wolverine, 47 Ronin. He's had a long career, 
knowing what this should be looking like, what you know, good choreography should be looking like when it comes to stunt work. And so uh, John Wick was his first movie that he directed. Co-directed. Co-directed. And then, and then he did John Wick 2, and now he's with John Wick 3, and he has really uh, embraced his heritage, his history, where he's come from, and how he has chosen to show the action, the stunt work. And Chad, he chose to back up the camera and not only just back up the camera, but how long can he make the shot sequence last for? And he has continually improved this, in my opinion, when you look at what he did from John Wick 1 to Chapter 2 to Chapter 3. It is all about how long can we make this shot last and how far back can the camera go so you can watch all of it go. Yeah, well, this guy definitely has an impressive resume, and it fucking shows here. This is uh, very stylized. Uh, it's dark, but it's lit just uh, just the uh, right amount, uh, and it's nonstop fucking action from beginning to fucking end. And and you know, and I've said this in the Matrix podcast. I used to not be a big fan of Keanu, and then uh, Matrix was okay. And then he came out with Constantine. I, I liked him in Constantine, and and it, it progressively got better. And then he kind of went away for a little while, and then he came back and does John Wick. And I gotta tell you, fucking, I can't imagine anyone else playing John Wick but Keanu Reeves. So, John, uh, what the fuck is classified as an action movie? Action films are a film genre where action sequences such as fighting, stunts, car chases, or explosions take precedence over elements like characterization or complex plotting. There are certain elements that they try to fit into action movies, such as a clearly defined hero, victim, and villain. The hero's objective of desire is to stop the villain and save the victim. Power divide between the hero. There is a power divide between the hero and the villain, and that there is speech in praise of the villain. Oh. So I think John Wick really checks off the boxes on a lot of these. <clears throat> yes, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. However, I have to just say it. Uh, it's in the fucking name. It's an action. It's an action movie. That's what you're going to get in action. There's not a whole, you know, you're not going to this for a deep plot and a deep story. You're just going in it to watch John Wick kick some ass. And yeah. And if you, and if you do find an action film that has a deep plot and a deep story, that's a good movie. So, cause who doesn't love fucking action, especially when you're fucking getting gun food in the fucking head, totally. double tapped by Mr. John Wick. Totally. Right. And, and the choreography, that's one of the reasons why I watch these movies is I love the martial arts choreography and the fact that someone put that all together and it's like a dance. It's like watching them. Oh, absolutely. It's like just amazing the things that they could do. Yeah. And this one had a little bit more, I think, uh, than the previous two and rightfully so it has to, right? It's the third one and every shot, every scene, it's just, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. And for me, I like to sit there and think, fuck, how did they do that? Like the glass, the uh, all the glass, that room. Keanu was uh, relentless in preparing and practicing. And his uh, previous work that he had done with The Matrix, with the previous John Wicks, in the preparation leading up to the movie, he was you know, pretty rusty on some of his uh, jujitsu. 
the the car stuff came back pretty quick the handgun stuff came back pretty quick but he was uh relentless in pursuing how quickly how effectively how much how how much can i master and they just kept giving him well all right he he did that pretty good so let's give him a little bit more let's give him a little bit more yeah that looked good all right okay okay, let's give him a little bit more. And his uh, passion for the project really pays off in spade because in spades, because when you watch him, you know, taking somebody down, flipping them over, kicking his legs around and then getting on top of them and then taking, you know, the headshot and then he reloads the gun from the guy's waistband and then he takes somebody else down. It's just like, good grief. It is just so elegant, if you will, in watching him move. So it... It appears effortless. He, I read uh, that he had uh, four months of intensive training before filming started. Yeah. And then I guess two things that he loves to do in real life is horseback riding and riding motorcycles. So they worked that into the movie because of that. He was already skilled at both of them. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, I'm in my 50s. John, are you in your 50s? I am not quite yet. Are you in your 50s? No, sir. Okay. Keanu Reeves is in his 50s doing this shit. Well, he's fucking Keanu Reeves, dude. Fucking A. And then Halle Berry, she and I, we're the same age, watching her move around. Wow. That's why she did this movie. She wanted to show people her age could do these things. And I got to tell you, when I saw the previews, the first time I saw the previews for this movie, I was thinking to myself, fuck, don't give John Wick a sidekick. He's fucking John Wick. He doesn't fucking need it, right? I go see the movie, and I'm so pleasantly surprised that Ali Berry's in this for like five minutes. Okay, but the way she leaves, she leaves oh, not yeah, being yeah, yeah. his sidekick at all. Yeah, no, and, and I totally appreciate that. Would, right? would you pay to see a Halle Berry movie, basically spinoff of John Wick, like her story? I don't know. Because you know there's got to be more storytelling, whether before John Wick got to her or what happens afterwards. Now, because she, she even said when they met up, we'll get to this later, that she's going to end up making an enemy. And she made an enemy. So now she's got some shit she's got to deal with. That's funny that you said, we'll get to this later. Um, yeah, I know she's got to deal with it because she doesn't kill him. No. And so she's she's got to deal with the consequences because it was on continental grounds and <laughs> yeah. it's basically the female version of John Wick and that's he kinda, shot my dog. I get it. <laughs> Doesn't he say trust me? No, he just says so, I get it. I get it. I get it. Has yeah, a nice little nice little touch it. there. Totally. But, but we'll touch on that later. But at the, why we touched on it now. at the very end when she leaves and you know she has the bottle of water she yunks it back from him she drinks yep. all of it down she does a nice big healthy. <laughs> And spits a little bit in the bottle. There you yeah. go. Would you drink Halle Berry spit? Yes. <laughs> I knew you would. Come on, dude. It's Halle Berry. I was thinking the same thing. John Wick makes his way through Manhattan before he is labeled excommunicado for the unauthorized killing of high table crime lord Santino D'Antonio on the grounds of the New York Continental Hotel. At the New York Public Library, John retrieves a marker medallion and a rosary. He is injured in a fight with another hitman and seeks medical treatment from an underworld doctor. But his $14 million bounty activates before the doctor can finish. John finishes suturing himself, but is quickly pursued by various gangs of assassins whom he kills. 
So what did you think of that whole little bit in the library? I just loved that in the library, how he <laughs> takes somebody out with a freaking library book. Oh my God, it was so good. And I love how he kept saying, I still got time. And he does, right? Because the hour isn't up. And uh, he says, are you sure you want to do this? And then the big guy's like, no one's going to know, right? It's $14 million. Right. And he goes, well, you can't spend it if you're dead. <laughs> and the way he fucking dispatches him with that library book, so good. You know, he is uh, or was the center of the Dallas Mavericks. I did read that. That guy was a basketball player. He didn't seem to move too fast, though. He, no, but that was fucking pretty center. good. He's just the center. He just threw the ball higher than anybody else. Yeah. So John Wick is on the run for killing this dude, uh, which happens in the second, which happens in the second film. The movie starts and we're, we pick up exactly the moment we left it's from like two, a couple of minutes, which is very reminiscent to what other trilogy starring Keanu Reeves matrix. Yeah. Cause we pick up right where the two reloaded. and three. Yep. So more similarities, right? What's the third similarity in this between matrix and, and John Wick? uh the doctor oh yeah well the key master is the doctor yeah 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 so uh john gets kind of beaten up in the library goes to the key master to get sutured up and it's a great it's a great bit because everybody knows john wick and he keeps walking by people and they keep looking at their phones and we keep cutting back and forth to um the high table old school dispatch area i love when he's going i believe he's going through the the, operator the The alley but he's going through the alley way and you see the homeless guy's kind of talking to himself and then he looks up he sees john wick and he just pulls out and he's like wearing a rolex and taps his his watch tick tock mr wick tick tock that's jason manzoukas why does everybody know what he looks like okay so let's let's talk about this for a quick second he's the most famous assassin well but why what i love about this film in this film series which we'd have to go back to one is the myth of john wick in every movie and we won't spend but a second on this everybody seems to know him and there's always this legend and this aura that surrounds him and i think it adds such a fun part to these films because like you were saying how does everyone know him well he's fucking john wick right in the second or in the first one when what's his name steals his car and leguizamo goes you stole john wick's car i mean just from there it just keeps going and going and it's such a good part of these films one thing i love about these films and the style of these films is the manners that they all seem to show a mod, you know, a mod- Gen- they're gentlemanly. Yeah, they're yes. very respectful of each other, and you can't even tell if like the people who want to kill them. Yeah, obviously they want the fourteen million, but some of them just want the reputation of killing John Wick, of being that person, and so they always start by just showing each other respect. And that's when you were talking about the John Leguizamo in the second movie, which is funny because he appeared in the first two movies, but not the third. They didn't put him in the third, and I kind of missed him a little bit, but I agree. It- didn't work wouldn't have right he, yeah he, he the way there was no car if there right. was a car he should have had john like well not, a, not only that but i mean it was one of uh it was one of those characters that you could tell that they were were friends maybe yeah. kind of if as friend as friends as you can be as assassins in this world and and i got to talk about this world for a second because i love this world that they've created for us these coins but yeah just how they set it all up like when uh fucking I, I gotta talk about it uh in the first movie when the assassins come to his house and he dispatches them the cleaning crew he calls 
Uh, I like a reservation for 12. Yeah, right? Um, David Patrick Kelly is the main guy. He plays uh, T-Bird in The Crow, and he was in The Warriors. And a great, great just little bit part for him. It's such a good scene. So I really enjoy the world that they've created for us. And every time John Wick needs to get something done, he's handing out these coins. And I just, I just think it's brilliant. Every time he goes to the Continental, hands out a coin. Every time he needs something, hands a coin. When he goes to the dock, you know, he opens the door and he goes, no, 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 no. And John Wick's like, there's still time. And then he holds up a coin. And so he opens the door and lets him in. Well, you know, the thing I love, and again, jumping ahead, because I know how much you love to do that. Uh, when they get to the coin master, he talks about how these coins are not only just gold and currency, they're a contract. Yeah. Yeah. And that they, you know, they mean something. Yeah. And so I, now it makes me, when I heard that line, it makes me go back and reevaluate every time John Wick held up one of those coins because he was not only just paying them off, but he was agreeing to a contract with them. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to also mention one other person that was not in three that was in the first two that I missed very much. He was at the beginning of the movie. The dog? No. When he uh, when he dispatches those dozen assassins and then the doorbell rings and the front, you, know, you see the police. Oh, the cops. And then he opens up the front door. Evening, John. Evening, Jimmy. So, uh, noise complaint? Yeah, got a noise complaint. You uh, working again, John? No, just sorting some stuff out. Okay, then. Yeah. Good night, John. Yeah. Great fucking scene. Good night, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Great fucking scene and great way to uh, continue to build the world. And I can, I can see why he's not in it, but... Yeah. I miss him. That's a great part. So, John Wick's on the run, and this is kind of where I have my first, I guess, beef, if you will. Uh, he's running in the streets. He's trying to make his way to get stitched up. Time runs out. The contract is live. He's got to get out of uh, the doctor's office. office, So he shoots him and he shoots him twice. And the way he does it is just fucking brilliant. Hilarious. Even before the guy finishes his sentence. Both times. Yeah. Good, good stuff. And he runs out and then he gets hit by two cars. So here's my problem. After he got hit by the first car, why doesn't someone get out of the back seat and just shoot him in the fucking head and end the whole thing? I was wondering that too because the two cars that hit him, we never see people get out of those cars, do we? We just see another No, they do. Up. They they get out and they want to go attack him. Yeah. Or for some shit. Uh, the the first car there is. I don't know if anyone gets out of the second mm-hmm. car, but uh one take, uh one shot, Keanu Reeves getting hit by two cars. Fucking great great stunt work. Mhm. And my other kind of beef is when they all fight, when he fights five guys at a time, why does he only fight one at a time? And then once he dispatches one, then the other ones will come in. Are you talking about the knife fight? I'm talking about all fights. Maybe it's that mod of, you know, a little bit of respect that they show him. Okay. If they you, all want to be the one to take him out. Oh, fucking awesome. If you are hired to do a job and I'm on that team, we're attacking you six at once. Yeah, one of you might get fucked up, but, you know, collateral damage. Yeah, it is curious that we do get that one at a time most of the time, but not necessarily all of the time. The one yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, he has to, he blocks two at a time, right? Yeah. But I'm talking about when, okay, let me be more specific. When there's more than, say, three, and he does it in all three films, he takes on guys like that. Um, why don't they all just rush him at once? Well, one thing I noticed in, especially in the early fight scenes, as he's fighting each one, he's using them to block the other people. Oh yeah. So I line mean, that, of fire. Yeah. You know, they're, they're getting shot and taking the bullets. While yeah, he knows how to fight. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. I'm just saying if I'm the bad guys, I rush them all at once. Yeah. Anyway, that's just me. I'd be the guy dead in the first 
20 seconds of fighting John Wick. Fuck, dude. I wouldn't even fight John Wick, dude. I would just turn around and fucking take the coins out of all the dead guys he's killed. I'd Red Dead Redemption him, right? I'd loot all the guys he's killed, and then I'd take off and disappear. He'd look at me and go, you sure you want to do this? I'd be like, nope. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> nope, not going to do it. Yeah. You, have, you have a good day, Mr. Wick. John meets with the director, the head of the Ruska Roma Crime Syndicate, where he presents a rosary and demands safe passage to Casablanca. The director reluctantly helps John as he was once one of them. A high table adjudicator, meanwhile, meets with the New York Continental Manager Winston and the Bowery King, notifying them that they both have seven days to resign from their positions for breaking the rules of the high table. The adjudicator hires Zero, a Japanese assassin. In Casablanca, John meets with Sophia, a former friend and manager of the Moroccan Continental. John presents the marker and demands to be directed to the elder, only person above the high table. Sophia reluctantly takes John to Barada, her former boss, who tells John he may find the elder by wandering through the desert until he can no longer walk. In exchange, Barada asks for one of Sophia's dogs, and when she refuses, he shoots the dog, which survives due to his bulletproof vest. Sophia tries to kill Barada, but at John's warning, she only wounds him. They fight their way out by killing scores of Barada's henchmen and drive into the desert where she leaves him. I'd like to point out that we have John Wick getting his go box so he can get that medallion, which is his ticket, his one-way ticket to get back home. We get to see another one of these boxes in, in two when he goes to, vis- to visit the Yiddish guy. And these go boxes, so we have the crate in uh, the in, basement in, in his house in the first one and then we have this go box in the second one and then we have this go box in the third one which means I feel like that these are now available to John as the story is needed and it will help propel John to continue to have some small moniker of hope that he has one money and two a weapon. Yeah, well, in, as, as soon as they establish it, that the first one, it totally makes sense that he has these, right? And they are basically to save his life. And I think that this one is probably the most important one because it has the medallion and it has the rosary, which is his ticket. Mm-hmm. Well, all I can say is I both love and hate these go boxes because I love them. When you think about an assassin like John Wick, of course, he's hidden these things all over the place because he never knows when he's going to need them. But I also feel like for a director and for a writer, it's really easy to write those in. You know, anytime your hero is in trouble or, you know, he, he's without a gun and without hope or without a way out, all of a sudden he's going to stumble upon his secret stash and that's going to help him get out. A, I don't think he stumbles upon it. B, I think he knows exactly where they are. Yeah. And C, if I'm having this much fun, I don't fucking care. Yeah. I just feel like it's an easy way to write it in. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, he, all hope is lost. Oh, that's right. He's got a box stashed well, in the library. Well, I think it's, oh, that's right to us as the audience, but he yeah. knows about yeah. these go boxes the whole time. So it's not an, oh, I have this. So it's not really a device to get him out I mean, it is a device to get him out of a jam, but I think they place it logically and it makes sense because it makes sense that John Wick has this. And as soon, like I said, as soon as they establish it in the first film, you got to know there's other places because John Wick is a smart motherfucker and he's the fucking myth, man. I mean, 
But John I just, Wick. I just feel like in you know John Wick Four or something like that. You know, he in John Wick Three he used his ticket and he burned his marker. But in John, you know, that now he's he's out of hope. But in John Wick Four, he's probably gonna have another box with maybe another marker in it or another ticket or yeah. another thing. You don't know that. I'm just saying it. It just could be an easy way for them to get him out of that next situation. I didn't look at it as an easy way out. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if they'll that, create if, another ticket, they'll create another, you know, marker. I, I don't think so. I think they're smart enough in this particular instance. I think they're smart enough to progress the story. And I have a theory of where John Wick Four is going, um, which I didn't see online. Save that. But for we'll, the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're we're going to talk about the possibilities of John Wick Four. Anyways, you're saying that uh, the right sometimes it feels like it's an easy way out, and depending on the situation and depending on the story, I 100% agree with you. In this particular instance, I think it was exactly what we needed, and he knew this all along. Yeah. So John Wick's the man. It works in these movies, right? Because he went straight to the library at the beginning of the movie because he knew he had to get out. So Angelica Houston is the director, and he goes to see her. I, I guess you could basically say what I got from this is that this is the woman that raised him basically because he was a part of that assassin school and uh, she knows his real name, which is Jordani Jovanovic. It almost sounds like John John. <laughs> well, which is why they call him John, right? So he comes to her and everybody knows what he's done. She knows what he's done and he's coming in to cash in his ticket, which is this rosary, which gives him free passage to anywhere he wants to go. And what I like about this scene is when he comes in, he doesn't have to say anything. She does all the talking. So you come to see me now why'd you come home and he holds up the ticket and she says well all you've done is brought death to my door you've gone against the high table i can't help you and he keeps holding up this fucking ticket and she relents and says okay i'll help you so you can also tell that there's something between that she cares about him as you know you were saying she helped raise him there's almost like a motherly oh absolutely motherly feeling between the two yeah absolutely so like you knew she was going to help him well you know no matter what she said, she was going to end up helping him. She must yeah. admire his handiwork that started because of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She's a perfectionist and he is her greatest perfect, work. You know, the perfect assassin. Yeah. And so she grants his wish. She rips the ticket by taking the cross off the rosary and then they brand him. Uh, I guess as your, your ticket is punched. <laughs> Did you notice that they turned the crucifix upside down when they branded him? No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, they burned him upside, burned it upside down on him. Yeah, so that's his ticket punched, and he goes to Casablanca. Enter the adjudicator. I dig that character a lot. I did too. She walks in, not saying a word, and she has this piercing gaze when she slides her medallion across the counter, and she doesn't even say a word. And uh, Sharon is that the name yeah, of the Sharon the guy? He knows because he can tell by the color of the coin. Uh, that he gets on the phone and says, he calls Winston, the manager, and says, there's an adjudicator here to see you. So, yeah, you, you, uh, uh, Winston is in trouble. Let me tell you that. There's all these rules for the high table, and Winston has been doing this for 40 years, and we meet him in the first one. And if you want to know more about Winston, go back and watch the first one. But there are rules, and Winston has broken them. So it's it's kind of good that we get to see now that there are consequences and that uh, Winston does have to answer for his mistakes because 
early on or in the other films he kind of just breaks his own rules or he breaks the rules of the high tables with no thought of consequence and you're thinking oh well that was kind of fucking easy but now now he's got to pay for it and the adjudicator is here to see him and so we go down into the basement what'd you think of the basement i thought it was perfect for the continental hotel you know what i really dug about that is that the Continental is starting to turn into a building of it is whatever we need it to be. It can be as large or as small as we need it to be for our needs. A little bit like the way Gotham City in the DC universe, Gotham City expands and contracts depending upon what is necessary for the story. Having this huge basement with all of these fiery... um, furnaces going with these super tall ceilings the the glass room that we get at the end of the movie it is just amazing having so much diverse areas in the continental that it gives us you know whatever it is that we need to propel our story forward yeah so they have their conversation in this furnace room and because the adjudicator has to identify the body of santino 45 acp it appears and so they she starts uh, what i love about this is winston doesn't deny a fucking thing the adjudicator lays it out for him so john wick shot him on the grounds he's like yes and he just keeps a green and green and green and winston is so cool about this whole interaction and then is this is where she tells him you have seven days mm-hmm. yeah and he's like uh do i <laughs> you know and so now winston is on notice he has seven days to relinquish or no they say uh and his successor will be named in, in seven, seven days. days and then she goes to visit the bowery king well before that the character sharon i love that character he's one of my favorite characters in the whole series do you know his relation to greek mythology no i forget in Greek and Roman mythology, the character Sharon is actually the boatman who ferries people over the river Styx to safety when they go, when they die and go to basically hell, uh, go to the underworld, and he does it for a gold coin. Yeah, fantastic. So there's your inspiration. There's where the writers got their inspiration exactly, for this character. Exactly, That's cool. and he just fits it. He's very non-emotional in the first two movies, very by the book, very by you know the rules all for a gold coin. So where I know him from earlier, previously, uh, a, a, a younger uh, a younger Lance Reddick, he is in that television, police television's uh, HBO series called The Wire. Yeah. He's, yeah. In, he's in a lot of those episodes. Yeah. yeah. Great character. Uh, love him. Love that, uh, uh, what's his name? John Wick. Uh, I think it's at the end of the second one. They're in the cab. He's trying to make it to the Continental, and did, then there's traffic. Or is did it you this just one? Say what's his name? Yeah. Uh, or was it this one? I think it might be this one. He gives the cabbie a gold coin and this says, one, "Take him." Yeah. Uh, it says, "Take the dog to the." It's yeah. It's the, the second one. I thought it was this one. No, it's this one. He gets in the cab and then he gets. Yeah, because the, the time's running out. Time's running out. Oh, that's at the very beginning of right. the movie. And Sharon is at the top of the steps waiting for the dog. It's so. It's so good. It's so good. So now uh, the adjudicator makes it on to the Bowery King, who is played by Mr. Morpheus himself, Larry Fishburne. I'm sorry, 
Lawrence Fishburne. What did you guys think of the Bowery King? I thought he was great. Yeah. I love the way he played that character. Yeah. And it's funny because I had read somewhere that he was considered for Samuel Jackson's part in Pulp Fiction at one time. Oh, interesting. I believe I had read that somewhere. And that I kind of felt like he was trying to play that character in this movie. Maybe. Uh, the Bowery King strikes me as a more mature, older. So I guess he could have been a younger version of Jules Winfield. But um, yeah, he fucking just nails this part. He's very flamboyant. Yeah. He's the Lord of the Underworld, the Some, Bowery King. Sometimes you just got to cut a motherfucker. That's right. So he has some of the best lines in this entire franchise. Because he's a bad motherfucker. He was really good in two as well. Chapter two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we get to, we, uh, the adjudicator goes, talks to him and she says, you have seven days. You gave John Wick seven bullets. You have seven days. To put your affairs in order. And then, you know, and he, and she, he's like, shit, bitch, please. Um, and then she leaves. And this whole time, I'm wondering, even with Winston and the uh, Bowery King, how come they just don't shoot the bitch? I wondered that throughout the first time I saw the movie. The first time I'm thinking, she gets a bullet right here. She gets, no, right here. No, no, it's here. Why Why is nobody shooting her? I, I guess she is untouchable. Well, I kept thinking, it's the rules. Yeah, well, they, they yeah, all there's that. the rules. And... You know, you think it's bad that, you know, John shot someone on consecrated grounds. You shoot an adjudicator, I bet you it's even worse. What's worse than death? Probably a $28 million bounty on your head. Still death. Yeah. I, I will say that each one of our characters, the Bowery King, Winston, uh, we have uh, the Continental, John Wick, all of these main characters, they all have their own superpower, if you will, that is respected by others in the storyline. Sure, I'll buy that. I'll go on with that. So after the adjudicator meets with both these guys, we now are in Casablanca with John, who goes to find Sophia. And this is uh, Halle Berry's finest 10 minutes. Yeah, She is a bad ass yeah when he first meets her she shoots him yeah i know i know um so she is i guess the equivalent to winston's position at the moroccan continental she, she's worked her way up to it so she can finally get she got out by becoming the manager of the continental right and so john has her marker because he helped her uh, get her daughter or protect her daughter mm -hmm. in, a, in a previous life. Yeah. And so he's come to collect. He needs a favor. He needs to see the elder. And this is kind of, uh, this is kind of another beef I had with this film is there's always got to be that top bad guy. Right. And so the elder at the edge of the earth and he, and he finds him. I just, I thought, if you think that his go boxes were an easy fix, I think this elder was just kind of thrown in there. I don't know. It I don't know how a much little like that. I don't know how much thought the writers actually gave to the, it, it, it's almost the equivalent to the architect from the matrix films. The only, pro, the only difference is these, this film was good. So, um, yeah, he wants Sophia to help him. She doesn't want to, but she has to. He's excommunicado. It doesn't matter. Apparently, these markers and these tickets supersede the excommunicado. So, 
Well, I don't know if they supersede it, but it's a matter of pride. It's a matter of honor. Like Sophia even says, both of them, the director says it and Sophia says it, once you're excommunicado, those are null and void anymore. They don't exist. They don't work. And he's like, you know what I did. Right. But I think that because of what he did and everything that goes into that, I think that the marker holds a higher weight than the to high that table. individual to that. In, yes. To, to each individual. Cause everybody yeah. apparently has markers. Cause apparently the entire state of New York are assassins. Uh, but yeah, I think that the, the marker holds just a little bit more weight than the actual high table. The high table are made up of people and people have agendas and the marker is something. It's a symbol. It's um, it, it, it's a symbol. So I, I think it holds just a little bit more weight. So she reluctantly agrees. So they have to go see Barada, her old boss. Well, before we get there, I loved her two dogs. I yeah. love the introduction of the dogs. And I love when she looks so back at him as she's walking out of the room telling him that we're leaving immediately. She looks back and she goes, sit. And the two dogs immediately sit. And she's like, I was talking to you, John. Yeah. Well, what does that tell you? John's not a fucking dog. Yeah, but he she's got some power. Oh my god, I love the way she uh, uses these dogs. Right, so they go in. They talk to Barada. This is where we find out about the coins, and they have the very first coin and the very first marker. And they come in. He gives them this whole lecture, asks them for help, and John Wick kneels before him and says, "Please help me find the elder." And then what does what does Barada tell him? He tells him that he has to walk till he can't walk no more. Look up at the stars. Follow this, that, and the other. And if the elder wants to talk to you, he'll find you. If not, mm -hmm. you'll die. And so John John's thankful, and they get out of there. And he goes, "Wait a minute." I just gave you this valuable piece of information. You know what I want? I want one of these dogs. One of her children. One of her children. And he, before he says this, he even, well, I forget what he asks her, but it really takes her off guard. Well, early on, he asked if he can pet the dog. It wasn't that. It was something else. He says something to the effect of, this dog is going to be mine. Uh, because the way she answers him, it's like she's immediately put on guard. And you're kind of thinking, oh, shit. He wants the dog, but I forget what he says. But anyways, uh, he says, I want one of your dogs. And she's like, no. And then he goes, well, consequences. And he shoots the fucking dog. And that's where we get the great line. <laughs> you shot my dog. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Because I'm pretty sure this whole saga starts with the death of a dog. Yeah. Don't fuck with the dog. Daisy. Yeah. I like the fact that the dog had a bulletproof vest on and uh, didn't die, you know, so that's how they snuck their guns in. And now it just fucking goes to shit. Man, and, and Sophia, she's every bit the badass that John is. Well, these, these action sequences with the dogs are some of the best animal acting I think I've seen ever in a series ever in a movie ever action, whatever. Um, they were just amazing. I loved every, the fight choreography with the dogs was just blew me away. I got to think some of it was digital. No, no, I don't think so. They were specially trained. She worked she, with well, the dogs. No, I get that. And, and I mean, it looked, but like the stuff when they were up on the fucking rails or they were, there was a, there was a part when, uh, she, uh, the dog jumps up, jumps on her back and then jumps up on the wall. Right. But as soon as he's up there, it, they must've sped it up or they did something. It just looked really choppy and not, 
Mm. It it just kind of took me out of it. Well, I saw a behind the scenes shot on set. No, it was uh, it was uh, you know it was not on set. It was you know just a, like a studio type of setting. Mm-hmm. Watch the dog do the exact same thing. But I'm just curious. Uh, Halle Berry spent about six months training, four days a week for like three or four hours at a time. And by the time shooting had started, the uh, trainers of the dog said that the dogs had come to look at Halle Berry as one of the trainers, which meant that she could direct the dogs directly while the movie was being shot. Oh, and it fucking showed. I loved every command that she gave the dog, and I loved how the dog did it. I loved that they would be shooting one direction, or she would be one direction, Wick would be in the other direction, and all of a sudden the dog would come flying in and grab one of the henchmen's arms or go right for their balls. And it was it was fucking brilliant. Six balls, man. Barada, uh, Jerome Flynn, Barada, he uh, wasn't aware of the dog attack until he read it in the script, and he was very hesitant about oh, fuck the, yeah. the dog going for his crotch. Yeah. And so he reluctantly agreed to go ahead with that shoot, and it looks great. Yeah, well, it fucking showed. Yeah. It fucking showed. Would you have let Barada live? Um, That's she, what- Well, she technically didn't kill him on Continental Grounds, but she didn't also not start shit on continental grounds See, that's, so that there, was my thought there's a dilemma this was john wick basically telling her not to do what he did yeah if she had killed him she would be excommunicado well and with a bounty on her head yeah well he didn't want her to even engage after the she shot yeah uh, the but, dude shot the dog but now she's going to be hunted and it's a good thing that john wick didn't tell her where her kid was because you know they were going to go straight after her kid right yeah so that's why, like I said, now there's a storyline developed here of now she's going to be hunted by the, unless Barada's told not to go after her. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see because, I mean, this story is far from over. Yeah. Wow. The, uh, the, the character John Wick gives an, uh, a choice oh so briefly to many of his people that he faces himself against. And I feel like that's what he does right here for uh, Sophia to Barada as well. Totally in character for him to do that, for sure, for sure. I was so impressed with these uh, fight choreography scenes that we get during the dog, the the, uh, the dog chase bits. There's there's one scene where uh, we have at least twenty five seconds of continuous camera shooting for one shot, and and it starts on the two of them behind the pillars, and then John shoots his gun and then he takes off and then the camera swings over to just Sophia and then she shoots one side of the column and then the other side of the column and then back to the previous side of the column and then she peels out to the right side of the column and she takes down two more people it's so impressive to watch these action sequences and i just love this about the John Wick shooting style how we the audience get to see so much of this it looks so if you will beautiful yeah, well, like we said earlier, this director guy, he knows how to shoot his shit. All of, most of the scenes in this film are fun to watch, right? Um, there's the dog scenes. We didn't talk about the motorcycle or the horse scenes. Those were also really fucking fun. This guy knows how to shoot John Wick films. So as long as he's shooting it and continuing to tell the story, I'll buy a ticket. Because I'm kind of fucked in the head, I had a weird thought about this scene. John Wick in this movie kills, I believe, think 96 people in this movie. Most of them, I think, were at this Casablanca, you know, continent. Oh, fuck, I lost count, but yeah. But 
And I'm all I'm thinking when I'm watching this scene, like when they finished it up, was now the guy's going to have to hire a bunch of new henchmen. And can you imagine coming in and saying, "Okay, so we're here to see you today for uh, you know henchman number four. What happened to the last guy? Well, he got his crotch well, eaten out by a dog well, <laughs> and shot by Sophia. Well, I think if you're applying to be a henchman for a vacant for a vacant uh, henchman job, you kind of know what's going on. I don't know. It was such a bloodbath and everybody always seems to know, you know, what happened wherever it happened, especially with John Wick involved. Would you want to take that job? No, dude, I wouldn't be anywhere fucking near that guy, but that's just me. I thought a a fun thing to think about in a very gallows humor sort of way is, uh, uh, the, 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 the knife fight sequence we see early on, how they're just throwing knives at each other. And, and, there's, and there's one guy that must have like at least a dozen knives sticking out of him. There's another guy that has a knife gets pushed into his eye socket, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and there's uh, the very last guy that dies in that sequence. He pulls, he sits up, pulls a knife out of himself, and, and John Wick in the background... He he bends over, picks up an axe, and right into the guy's freaking forehead, man. Holy buckets. Can you imagine coming as a police officer? What the hell happened here? Well, in this universe, I would walk in and go, I guess John's back. Well, the way I see it is the Jimmy shows up at every one of these crime scenes. <laughs> you working again, John? Just sorting some stuff yeah. out. <laughs> Jimmy would have showed up at that scene and just wrote up as a uh, man fell on 12 knives and slipped while trying to get them out onto an axe. <laughs> right in the fucking forehead. So they shoot their way out of Casablanca. They steal a car and Halle Berry drives him into the desert as far as she's going to go. She tells him he's going to die. Gives him some, uh, gives the dog some water, the dog some water, then proceeds to drink the rest, swish it around in his mouth like you were saying, and then spit it back. And John is off on a walk. Keanu said that it was so impressive to be in the desert. What desert was it? The the Mojave, Sahara, I believe, the Sahara Desert. But he said that it was it as beautiful as it was. It was really tough. Doing that in his suit. Yeah, wearing the full suit. Oh, fuck yeah. I mean, come on. A suit in the Sahara Desert? Yeah. The the shoot alone would have been a pain in the ass, just to get all the gear and everything in the sand. And yeah. But either way, he goes on a walk. Seven days later, the Adjudicator and Zero confront the Bowery King, who refuses to advocate his position. In response, Zero students slaughter his men while the king is slashed seven times as penance. Meanwhile, John collapses in the desert and is brought before the elder. John states that he wants to live to keep his late wife's memory alive. The elder agrees to forgive John on the condition that he kill Winston and remain subservient to the high table for the remainder of his life. John severs his ring finger and offers his wedding band to the elder as an act of fealty. He returns to New York and is attacked by Zero and his students before reaching the protection of the Continental. Winston urges John not to die as the Baba Yaga, but as a man who loved and was loved by his wife. The adjudicator arrives, but Winston refuses to resign his position and John refuses to kill him. 
leading the adjudicator to revoke the status of the Continental and send both Zero and an army of heavily armed high-table enforcers to kill John and Winston. Winston provides John with weapons and the assistance of concierge Sharon and his staff. After killing the enforcers, John is ambushed by Zero and his students, and John proceeds to kill all but two students who surrender with honor after being beaten. Zero battles John, but is eventually defeated and left to die. Before we get into this, did you notice the tattoo on the neck of the adjudicator? I kept trying to read it. I thought it said, like, enlighten something. I believe it was something in German that said, uh, Ein Fulsum? Ein Fulsum? Well, I looked it up, and what it's German for empathetic. Did that adjudicator seem empathetic to anybody in this movie? Do we know if it was a fake tattoo? Does the actress really have that tattooed on her neck? Her IMDb picture has that. So it's interesting that the one who showed no emotion, no feelings, and was just doing her job has empathetic tattooed on her neck. If if it was a, a previous tattoo and she came on and uh, when she talked to the director or the casting director or whatever, they probably liked the look of it. And so that would be just a coincidence. If it's a fake tattoo, well then, you know, do with it what you will. So let's talk a little bit about Zero. Zero is played by Mark Dacascus. Something like that. And he is a delightful character in this show. I knew him previously. It took me a little bit of time before I was able to uh, pinpoint him. But uh, he plays a nemesis in the television series Hawaii Five-0. He plays Wolfat. He's been in a bunch of stuff. And yes. I've, I've loved him in just about everything he's been in. Yeah, he, he's, he's done a lot of work. I think he, didn't he do uh, the Crow TV series? Yeah. Um, he's, I believe, Hawaiian-born? Yes, Honolulu. Yeah, and has his own form of martial arts that he adapted from what his parents taught him. He developed the style for this movie, his own martial arts style for this movie. He said that the character, after reading it, was a little psychotic. So his style was very professional, very you know focused on martial arts, but every so often he would freak out and just throw random moves in just to show that the character was a little bit psychotic. Yeah, well, he plays the character uh, borderline psychotic, but he also plays him with this joy of who he is. Like when the adjudicator goes to find him, he's all, you know, about the the fish and the sushi that he's serving and tries to make conversation. But as soon as she pushes him that coin, his demeanor changes and he knows exactly what's being asked of him. And even when he meets John wick and uh, he's a big fan of John wick, totally fanboys on him. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it's, I love when they're in the continental and John wick sits down and zero walks up and sits right next to him. Uncomfortably close, uncomfortably close. Yeah. And so, and we're the same. No, we're not. Yeah. Yeah, we're the same. No, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's the fucking Iron Chef. Yes. He's the host of it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. So, um, yeah, Zero's a great character and very... I feel like I'm not sure about the first movie, but like in the second movie, Ruby Rose plays Ares, the yeah. uh, deaf girl, yeah. the deaf assassin. So there's always that assassin character. Oh, in the first one, it's William Defoe, right? Mm-hmm. Or Adrian Palicki. You mm-hmm. take your pick. Mm-hmm. But um, there's always that foil or that assassin that's gotten uh, that's gotten hired to uh, 
kill John Wick. And so, and every one of them knows who John Wick is and everyone thinks that they're up for the task and John Wick just being John Wick. Right. So yeah, great character. Love fucking zero. So John wanders in the desert and miraculously gets found by the elder, by the elder movie convenience, whatever. I'll buy it. Um, and the elder who I didn't think was that much older than John Wick how is he an elder? How is how is he the guy? In real right? life, that actor actually is younger than Keanu Reeves. Yeah, and we fucking looked it. So again, I ask, how is this guy the elder? But the story's telling me that he is, so let's just go with it. And so he asked John, you know, you fucked up, dude. Or he tells him, you fucked up. And what are you going to do to make this right? And uh, he says, I'll give you one chance. One chance to give you your life back, but it's not going to be the life you want. Uh, you will work it for us forever, be. right? And so uh, John has no choice. I will serve. I will be, be of service. service. And cuts off his finger, which I that thought was ring a, finger, Ugh. which was a bold fucking move, right? But he just does it because that's what John Wick does. Uh, gives him his wedding, wedding. ring, mm-hmm. and then he gets the the wound cauterized, and he gets a new suit and is sent back to New York. And his mission is to kill his friend winston well here here's my thought with this scene is you fucked up you killed someone on continental ground and you get excommunicado what happens when the elder gives you a second chance you make a promise to him you make a pact with him and you screw him too well you have to die so i'm thinking he just you know not only did he just increase the bounty on him but now it's like tenfold i mean they're I yes you're you're right but I look and at it, it worse it could be a 14 million dollar bounty or it could be a hundred million dollar bounty the end result is the death of John Wick he went and all that, that way to make this deal and then screwed himself yeah but did he know no he didn't you don't think so you didn't you didn't think he was just saying yes to go back to New York uh I, for the moment not to be hunted no, I think that John, he was being hunted as soon as he got back into New York. But I think he, yeah. he planned on killing Winston until Winston had that talk with him about, do you want to be the Baba Yaga? I think or so, too. Or do you want to be the man who was loved? So he he commits to he recommits to the life he's already been living. He gets to go back to New York, and this is where uh, he gets Zero. chased. Yeah, so so the bounty is still out on him. Yeah. He's got he's to kill Winston before uh, the bounty is suspended. Right. And I, I do enjoy uh, their meeting in in the, the the station. It is just so delightful how these guys they just move in and out, you know, like ghosts. Oh, right, yeah, right in the crowd. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then and then that guy appears right behind him, and then John instantly stabs him in the ear. <laughs> then John asks him, "He with you?" And zero. He was right that he said not anymore <laughs> and then they get so they leave the station and fucking bro i love that fucking scene uh they leave the station and they get on the motorcycles and this is this moment actually did take me out of the movie because there's no way okay a if you're on a fucking motorcycle and you're chasing the guy on the motorcycle why aren't you shooting him in the back of the head that's what i was thinking is why didn't they use guns not swords but i can only think it's because zero's students yes were trained that way okay yes. well that's fucking dumb because you have a $14 million bounty and a $14 million is a lot of money. Okay, honor, blah, 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 blah. Then Zero, go do it yourself. Why do you have students? I think for him, his students were ex, you know expendable. He 
he wanted to fight himself. And so he sent all these students in to test John Wick. And to I get know. Him. I know. But and that, that kind of made me, I don't know, I didn't care for as much that he didn't care about his students the only two students i like were the ones that he fights in the glass room and we'll get there in a second but uh, them on the bike it looked fake and it it just took me out of of the moment a little bit the one thing like you're talking about with the guns and the shooting i kept wondering why didn't any of the people with the swords try to stick it in his tires because they want to grab him by the shoulders for some reason (laughs) the guy rolls up on the bike and tries to grab him why aren't you fucking shooting him I don't know. It took me out of the movie for a moment. Anyways, they get to the Continental, and right before Zero can kill him, uh, John Wick slaps his hand on the steps of the Continental, kind of like when you played tag as a kid and there was a home base, yeah. and you slid in there and you're all, safety, 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 right? It's so good. And then uh, Sharon, again, is at the fucking top of the steps, and uh, he says, no blood on Continental grounds, and Zero says, but he's excommunicado, and Sharon's pretty much saying, I don't fucking care. He's John Wick. He gets... He gets this. Well, it's also still the continental ground. It doesn't matter whose blood it is. There's no blood. That's, and that's a fair point. And because Zero knows the consequences because he's looking right at it with John yeah. Wick. So Zero abides. They go inside. And that we get to that scene where we're talking about where they sit. And yeah. then we go have that wonderful conversation with Winston. Well, which before, I, before that, I love the conversation between Zero and... And John Wick and the dog runs up. Is that the dog? And it is is that the dog? I'm more of a cat person. Yeah. It's just a weird conversation. I love that dialogue between which, the two of them. Which is kind of a dumb question. Yes, because why did the killing begin? Because Be- the dog is dead. Because Daisy they killed his dead. dog, right? Yeah. That's the thing. They killed John Wick's dog. So obviously it's not the dog. So mm-hmm. try to a uh, nice little comedic moment and just showing again uh, Zero's character. But yeah, it was a dumb fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was fanboy. And, I, and I've and i been around celebrities and said and done stupid things. So I, I fanboy myself. So. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. <laughs> so Winston and John have this conversation and Winston says, who are you going to be? Yes, right. who who do you wish to die as? Right. And this is an important point in the movie, not just because uh, I, I do think that John hasn't decided if he's going to kill Winston or not. And Winston, I think, hasn't decided what he thinks John is going to do either. Sure. And the difference is, who is showing up? Is this John or is this John Wick? John represents the humanity in him, the love that he showed and showed and had with Helen. John Wick, this is his professional life. And so that's what he's asking him, I think, in who do you wish to die as? Exactly. 100%. Well, I also get that, you know, we talked about earlier, the director seemed like a motherly figure to him. Since the first movie, Winston has almost seemed like a fatherly figure. I was just going to say that. Absolutely. I, and, I see him as, as the... Uh, I mean, he treats him different than he treats every single other person. And even in the second movie, when John does this thing and kills that guy, he still gives him time. He says, I'm going to give you seven minutes to get out of here. An hour. Or an hour. Um, And you know what's the difference is, is what does Winston always call him? Jonathan. Jonathan. My favorite line. I think I've decided now. (laughs) My favorite line. But he doesn't say Jonathan. Yes, he does. In the second film, after he kills Santino, he, does not he says, start with Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan, what have you done? He only says, what have you done? He doesn't. Um, I think I'm going to challenge you on that. But anyway, moving on. You'll have to but go find is, the quote and play it here. But but let's, let's face it, uh, Ian, 
he he is a wonderful character. Uh, the velvetiness of his voice, the 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 richness of his stature, the elegance that he shows later on, sitting down in the vault. You know, need more firepower, and he just he he has the brandy snifter, and just kind of sort of waves his hands up a little bit. I love how yeah. he has the remote for the vault door. He just keeps pushing it to open it, yeah. and then they close it, and then he pushes it to open it. Well, he gets there because. And then he, oh God. Well, no, please finish. No, we're uh, we're jumping ahead the, a little bit. Yeah, you fucking are. But well, please go ahead, finish. I think it's during this part where the adjudicator calls him the first time because there's the firefight going on upstairs, or is that the next section? No. So <laughs> after John and Jonathan and Winston have their discussion, the adjudicator shows up, and the adjudicator says, are you going to relinquish your position? And Winston says, I don't think uh, I am. Yes. And then she looks at John and says, are you going to kill him? Are you going to shoot him in the head? And he says... I don't think I will. I don't think I'm going to. Yeah. And so she says, okay, you've made your decision. We will be dispatching an army shortly. And uh, he says, do not make it. Uh, what does she say? Uh, do not. Uh, this is the high table. And he says, uh, Winston says, and we are New York. And I think that is a great line. I, is that here or at the very end? No, I think it's here. I think, I think so here. too, because he's like daring her to come after him, right? Yeah. So then they go down to this vault that we're talking about, and I love this fucking scene because they, uh, Sharon is showing John, you know, this is what we should use because you know they're going to come in with fucking armor up to yin yang. And then they play this, um, and then Winston puts on the record, and this is uh, classical music. It's piping out through the entire, uh, continental and we're getting ready for this this scene and this is where uh winston says as soon as john walks out to go to war he says uh in order for peace prepare for war and that's what they were doing they were going to war with the high table now the continental is deconsecrated yeah okay here comes war so i love when she tells zero zero and doesn't he just say something like cool <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, while he's shaving his head in that little barber chair they gear up, they go up, they go meet the bad guys. And I got to tell you, the staff at the Continental, not too impressive. They all get shot immediately. They're a bunch of stormtroopers. Or a bunch of red shirts. Right? Yes. They bunch. got their shots in, but they were dealing with people with armor and it wasn't. No, I don't even think they got their shots in, dude. Yeah. Come on. I mean, Sharon was holding his own because he's a bad motherfucker. But you're right. The armor, they couldn't get through the fucking armor with their bullets. And so uh, finally, they have to get up close and personal. And this is one of those bits again. And John Wick just double taps all the time, right? So he goes up and finds weaknesses in the armor and double taps them. And then they kind of figure out that they can't do this. So they got to go back to the armory. We need bigger guns. And they need bigger guns. But yeah, it's just hilarious how Winston is just sitting there with with the dog listening to the music as these guys just like load up for bear and head back out. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Uh, and then they figured out that the shotguns with armor piercing, piercing buckshots will do the trick. And God damn it. When they start firing the guns and their heads start exploding, that was so much fun. It was impressive. And they were dispatching everyone. They sent so many people after them. But John Wick and Sharon, they held their own and kept defending the fucking Continental. And at this point, they're dispatching all of these fucking henchmen. And then we get to the scene in the glass where John Wick has to fight Zero's two students. Do you know who got the worst of it throughout this whole thing? The horse? No. The Continental janitor. Oh. 
<laughs> which is funny because they they show that at the end after the aftermath they show the cleaning crew coming in yeah i mean if you might have to clean all that up oh my the god brain splatter all over oh the that's wall. that's so and funny that, i never thought about it that and, way and you imagine how much chlorine's gonna take to clean that pool oh my god that's so funny that's so funny so this fight with uh zero's two students in shinobi this, what are their names oh they are they are shinobi oh is that what they're called yeah, they're sh- shinobi students, which uh, in short, they're like ninja assassins. Sure, sure. And, and these two, uh, Seep Seep and Yayan, is that right? Yeah, Seep Seep and Yayan, you know where they uh, are, are best well known for? Uh, one of them is from The Matrix. Yep. And aren't they both from The Matrix? They are both from The Raid. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Redemption or the first one or which Redemption. Ones? Oh yeah, fucking we we need to talk about that fucking movie. Right. Have you ever seen it? No, I have not. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love this fight because it's in this room of, of glass. And I remember thinking, because we saw this together when it came out in theaters. You guys remember? Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, I remember thinking the sound design when he goes through this glass and they keep throwing him into this glass and he can't get his footing and he keeps going through it. And then when the glass busts, the sound design just blew me away and watching it again last night, it was the same type of thing. It was just so good. And then he finally gets up and there's such a, uh, an honor for all th- for those two to be fighting the John Wick and they show it because there's a bit where they knock him down and he's like okay 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 and they let him get back up and they let him get it composed and then they go at it again and it's just it was so good and then finally you know John takes off his belt and starts whooping their ass and proves that he's John Wick well I loved about that scene I'm sorry to interrupt was no you're not when they when he went to first see the director. And he puts all his guns and stuff on the table. And your belt. They made him take off the belt. And yeah. I kept thinking, why the fuck the belt? But now explains why they made him take that belt off. I, I think it even went before that. He killed three guys with a fucking pencil. So a belt is very much a deadly weapon in the hands of John Just Wick. But you're right. But they, they made him take it off. That was great. Look, he, you know, when he took off his belt and put it on the table, it was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. So he gets the upper hand on these two. And uh, I guess you could say that this battle turned into a draw because they both look up and they both kind of. Well, he beat them. He oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he gets they, up. They yeah. fell through a floor. Right. And then at that moment, that's where he offers them a chance, you know, uncle yeah totally and then uh i feel like the line if they're gonna let you live no matter who the assassins are is i'll be seeing you Mm -hmm. right and that's Mm -hmm. what he tells them and then they just kind of collapse and he fucking won so yeah and then after he's done with this fight he looks up now we're ready for the main event this is zero versus john and it's it's fantastic it's exactly what i expected and john ultimately gets the best of him and i love zero's line after he's sitting there with a fucking sword hanging out of his chest hey john that was a pretty good fight (laughs) yeah and john's like yeah yeah it was and he's like i just need a minute to catch my breath i'll catch up with you and john's like no you you won't won't. did you catch the mistake in this scene no what was the mistake okay so zero's on the ground john's got the sword and he puts the sword through him so you remember that part yeah then zero sits up but the sword is like you know six inches to almost a foot through him how did it get from when you're on the floor it would have just been in his back how did it get so much farther out when he sat up he wasn't 
He wasn't laying on his back. I think he was on his back when he stabbed him through. Uh, he was. They were. They were standing, and because he John Wick uses his hand to pound it in. Yeah, I like thought he that was just one. through him when he was on the floor. No, I don't think so. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, you have to look. Because that was one of the things they reported as a goof. <clears throat> would, would you think that you would watch this film again? Oh, heck yeah. Okay, then well, you'll have to check it out. <laughs> so yeah, so Zero's dead, and now, you know, we have to move on. I kind of hope that when you know, he said, um, you know, the whole thing about I'll catch up with you, I kind of hope he does live. Zero? Yeah. Eh, no, no. I take it or leave it. You think that that story's done? Yeah, complete? it should be. He slumped. Uh, yeah, I think it should be. I mean, you know, if the guy on the train could live, maybe he could live. I don't I don't think Cassian lived. I think Cassian died, which really bums me out because I really like Common. And I thought he was a great character. Well, do you I want- love that interest. No, I don't want to fucking know. Do you want to know the answer to that? No. 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 You keep reading the fucking internet. And you know how many times you've been wrong? Soulstone was in Wakanda. So, yeah, I don't fucking. Well, technically it was. It was Wait. on Vision in Wakanda. So, no, for fuck's so, sake. So you- no, not the Soulstone. So, oh, not the Soulstone. You don't, you don't <laughs> like it when a storyline is predictable. And so if you already know information going into the story. Isn't it predictable? Sort of. No, that's not predictable. It doesn't tell me what's going to happen with the character. It just tells me who's been cast in the movie. But um, that's there. You go. Mm. It could have been. A fl- it could be a flashback. Yeah, it <clears> could be. The adjudicator agrees to a parlay with Winston, who offers fealty to the high table. John arrives, and Winston shoots him repeatedly, causing him to fall off the roof. Winston reassumes his manager position. The severely injured John is secretly collected and delivered to an underground bunker where the heavily scarred Bowery King is waiting for him. He voices his anger toward the high table and asks John if he is also angry, to which John agrees. Roll credits. So we hear fealty a lot in this movie. Do you guys have a pretty good idea what fealty means? I I looked it up. Their service, their loyalty. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a, it's about faithfulness, it's about loyalty. So in particular, the obligation or the uh, engagement to be faithful to a lord. Again, the old school politics or the old school design of the high table and this life that, or this world we have been introduced to. So it makes sense. Well, here's the big question, and this is something that we've talked about in the past offline. Parlay, did Winston screw John or did he save his life? We're not there yet. We're not there yet. <sighs> okay, I'll bring it up again later. What's Between par- the both of you, you guys are really starting to piss me off. So parlay, that is where you have two people warring and they agree to talk and set aside their, uh, their, their squabble. Right. I love how Winston hangs up on her the first time. Oh, yeah. When she calls. Awesome. And, the, and, and the look she's giving, like, motherfucker. And then she calls again, and before anything, she's all, parlay? And he's like, okay. So they meet up on the roof, which it was a beautiful shot. I love this shot. Winston and the adjudicator are talking, and he's, like, saying, uh, let me keep my power, and, you know, we'll call this a draw. And the adjudicator's like, well, you did this to show strength. Uh no, I think this is where the New York line comes in because she says, you are not above the high table. And he says, I've been doing this for 40 years and we are New York and my allegiance go beyond, right? And so that makes the adjudicator think and okay, we'll, we'll call this a draw, but what are we going to do about, about John, John Wick? Wick? And Winston says, well, naturally he has to die. And he shoots him off the fucking roof. So when we have... Uh when we have the, the whole New York bit and talking about how she is threatening to send more 
and more forces to take him out of power. And this is, I think, a perfect example of what could be foreshadowing for the next movie. Well, no, all that goes away because... When is the price too high to continue on the current path? So, Winston is willing to say, I will continue to fight your forces that you send to me if that's what you want to do. Right. I just got the feeling that eventually she's going to run out of soldiers and she's already sent in some of her best operatives. So they could easily do that all day. I mean, it didn't take them that long to dispatch like 30 guys. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and she is awfully trusting because we see John take a fucking fall that, my gosh, he should he's be dead. dead. He's dead. John Wick's when, dead. Once right? he hits that fire escape uh, railing, and then he bounces off. Down. Oh my god! Yeah, and so she goes down and she says, "You know, there's no fucking body, and you better, you I mean, you better take care of this, Winston. We gave you back your hotel." Um, but let's go back to your question. Yes, John. Which was uh, I can't remember. Did I'm Winston? <laughs> uh, the question was, did Winston screw John Wick? Or did he save his life? I want to hear your opinion first because I know what it is. You know what it is. He re- he reads the the internet. Uh. No, I didn't. I call this common sense. And if this isn't the reason, well, then everybody's fucking stupid. But well, go on. Well, I'm going to probably steal your reason here. But Winston probably at one time was an assassin, if you think about it, because it seems like people worked their way up to these positions. Winston's probably a good shot with a gun if he had to be. He knows that John Wick's wearing a bulletproof vet, or bulletproof suit. So he shoots him specifically twice in the chest area that he knows is not going to kill him. The only thing that would kill him was being knocked off the building, and he just assumes John Wick's survived everything else. He can survive that too. So he, I think, when he shoots John Wick, gives him a fighting chance while at the same time knowing it's going to make him look good in front of the adjudicator. 100% because A, I think you're right. I think he was an assassin and I think he's a pretty good shot and he didn't shoot John in the fucking head. Exactly. So I don't think he screwed John Wick at all. I think if anything, he gave him a fighting chance. Now, does John see it that way? Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait till four. Well, I, I, I will say that I agree with you 100%. He sh- was shooting him in the body armor of the suit and the best way that he had the best avenue to get John Wick a fighting chance to be free of the adjudicator is to make him appear dead. Right. But as the adjudicator, you also have to think, why didn't he shoot him in the fucking head? So I guess we'll see where that is. I have a feeling that, you know, coming to the fourth movie, we can make our predictions about the fourth movie. This adjudicator is going to have a lot of explaining to do to the high table. She's fucked this all up royally. Possibly. She's lost how many people did get killed just to kill one guy. She used up how many resources and she still didn't get the job done. She didn't bring the body home. Okay. So here's how four is going to go. And this just came from my head. I have a theory too, but go on. Okay. Oh, I'm going to, uh, there's only one way out of this. Okay, I'm sorry. There's two ways out of this. One, John has to die, for real. Two, he has to take down the high table. So four is going to be all about him taking down the high table. And he's going to have some help because it's the high fucking table. Halle Berry comes back. Winston's back. Hopefully Cassius is back. Whoever we think, uh, Sharon will help him. I think that he's going to, the Bowery King, I think he's going to have you know somewhat more help than before. And it's going to end 
with him taking back his wedding ring. I think you're wrong. Well, you also thought the soul you, stone was in Wakanda, but please go ahead. a third option. Which is? That we've been introduced in this movie to there is one above the table, which means John can achieve that goal of going above the table, and that's where I think the fourth movie's going to go, is somehow he's going to get himself in a position that now he's above the table and he's giving the orders. I don't know if that means taking no. out the elder, replacing the elder, he doesn't getting want to be, power from he, the elder. He doesn't want that. Right. But a lot of times in these hero movies, the hero ends up taking on a role he didn't want for the greater good. No. I, and so I think he's going to end up as that person in power and that person who's above the table making all the decisions and then setting up all his friends. No, the only way this ends is if the high table and everything is exterminated so the movies are gonna the movies are gonna the movie's gonna be about him eliminating each member of the high table and a, and he will get to the elder and he'll kill the elder and take his ring back and that's how we're gonna leave i do it. think i do agree with that he is going to take his ring back in the third movie or fourth movie but he's not gonna take power unless but, you read it as a spoiler no i i this is my guess cool um i i personally don't think that's where john wick as a character would go because he didn't want to do this anyway yeah all he wants to do is live in peace and remember Helen. That's all he wants to fucking do. And God bless America. He should fucking get that. All Professor, right. Professor, do you have any predictions for the next movie? Uh, I, I'm in alignment with Don that I think that it's all about the high table and not necessarily uh, having to do with Winston per se. And he is looking to get his ring back and wants to be left the hell alone. Right. So maybe the Bowery King takes over. Maybe Winston takes over. Who knows? My point is there he's going to eliminate the high table as it stands right now. He's already eliminated D'Angelo DeSanti DeGrassi. And uh, he's going to then go after the elder. And now he knows where he's at and he's going to fucking get him. And whoever the new high table person, whoever the new elder is, they will grant immunity to Mr. Wick and he will be allowed to retire. He's going to shoot the elder. There's, there's no happy. I don't think the new, a happy ending. The there, new, there is no other elders. He's going to eliminate everybody. Yeah, but like, like a Winston or a Bowery King. Oh, I think he's just going to disappear. I don't even think we get that. I, I don't think, think he just disappears. I don't think and, it's going to be a happy ending here. And maybe not. He might have to die. Uh, and I really hope that the fourth one is the last one. I don't want to see a John Wick Seven. Have you heard about the spinoff? The Continental Hotel. Yeah, they're making a spinoff TV series. About the Continental Hotel. Yeah. I, I read a little bit of that. Unless the characters are good, it's just, I don't know, another spinoff. I wonder if it's just going to be a bunch of side stories about assassins. If Ian McShane isn't in it, if Winston and Sharon aren't in it, I think it loses something. Mm-hmm. I know Keanu's not going to be in it, mm-hmm. but if you're going to do something like that to keep the continuity with the films, or because the Continental is very much its own character. A hundred percent. But what makes it a great character are the people who are running it. Here's a curious thought that you might ponder. What if each season of the Continental is at a different Continental? Yeah, that's a good idea. That could work as well. Right? You could, we have one in New York. We have another one in Morocco. You have them all over the world, I think, because exactly. he, he visits a bunch of them in all the movies. So Right. Yeah. Out of the three, John, do you have a, sequence from highest to lowest not that any one of the three are the lowest well i think it's pretty obvious i picked number three as my favorite movie uh one is the hardest for me to watch because i'm not a big fan of 
puppy snuff films. I just, I, I think it was a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. Hard scenes for me to watch. Even if you don't get to see the dog get killed, the little whining, the stomp, all that. It, it's a fucking heart tugger, man. Yeah, that's For that, fucking sure. It'll bring tears to anyone's eyes. And that movie kind of, the first movie loved the action sequences, but I just kept thinking, kill the little scrawny bat already. Just kill him. Just get it done. I can't believe it's taking this long to kill this guy. Right. And, and then uh, the second one, great movie. Love, uh, what's her name? Ruby Rose. Mm-hmm. Loved yeah. her in that movie. I thought she was okay. Man. Well, you just said you loved her. Yes. Well, I love the, the actress. I love she, the stuff she's been in. I said, Really? She did okay. Yeah, she was a Batwoman. I know, but she bothers me as an actress. Okay. But I'm just a dick. And she but was go in on. Orange Sorry. is the New Black. I thought she did an okay job there, too. But um, So, three, two, one. So, yeah, I'd go probably, well, actually, I'd go three, one, two. Oh, right. That's I right. I think is where I'm going. Wait. So, two is at the bottom? I put two at the bottom. Just because, it. you know, I, I be, the only ever second sequel that I thought was better than the other two. Terminator 2. No. There's only one. Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. That's the only one that I think outdid the other movies. Dark Knight, Batman Begins. Oh, yeah, you got yeah, me there. I did. Um, there's another one. Oh, you haven't seen The Godfathers. Uh, 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 the Two Towers. No, that wasn't my favorite. No, but is it better than the first? No. You like Fellowship of the Rings more than Two Towers? Isn't the Fellowship of the Ring have the bell, ball rog, bell rog? Which one has the bell rog? Yeah, the two-second scene where Gandalf dies. That's the first one. Yeah. Do you think that's better than The Two Towers? I think it had better dialogue. Okay. You shall not pass. Okay, if that's what you're basing it on, then yeah, good choice. All, all three movies is that they're walking like we learned in Clerks. Well, yeah, I know. What I'm saying is, you know, it doesn't <laughs> so matter. they're all the same movie according to Kevin Smith. Well, we're not talking about Kevin Smith. We're talking about you liking The Fellowship of the Rings more than The Two Towers. All right, Don, what about you? Sequence? Uh, three, two, one. Three, two, one? Three, two, one. I, I can't decide if I like two or three better. It is really tight for me. One is, in its own right, just a fantastic movie in my eyes. But I'm going to put it below the other two. And I I really enjoy many moments of two, and I enjoy a lot of three as well. I, I think probably, I think I probably would go three, two, one. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that, that's a good choice. Good choice. All right, let's rate this bitch. Adjudicator, how do we rate our movies? When we rate our movies, we scale them from Five down to one. Five being a movie that you would go back and see immediately. You are at a movie. You exit the theater. As you exit the theater, you say, I will see that again right now. That is a five. You are ready to watch it immediately. A one is a movie that you have seen and you have no desire to see it again. Regardless of your interest or enthusiasm for the movie, you will not see it again because you have seen it and there is nothing to be seen out of the movie again. And what is a zero? A zero is somebody owes me two hours of my life back. And so that is how we rate our movies here at Three Guys in a Flick. John, your movie, your review. As I said before, this movie to me... The choreography is like a dance. It's so well done. All of the action sequences, you can't look away. Like, you know, a lot of these movies, sometimes you play on your phone or, you know, you look at a magazine or you look at something else. That's how you watch a movie? Sometimes, yeah. I'll play on my phone when I'm sitting in my big cushy chair with my big TV, all that, watching it. Wait, stop. I'm sorry to interrupt you. 
You play with your phone while you watch a movie? Some movies, yeah. Do you okay? Let me, I look okay, up okay, stuff. okay, okay. Let, let, I look <laughs> up stuff. I look up stuff about the movies. Sometimes. All right, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask this. This is more of a more important question. Do you sit and play on your phone when you watch the movies that we've selected? No, I never do that. Good answer. Continue. I apologize for <laughs> interrupting. Anyway, so uh, this movie is one of those movies that I found myself actually. I was. On my phone, I was looking up details. I actually look at the IMDb while I'm watching the movie because I like to look up the little trivia facts and things to look for and that. And I found myself looking up and going, oh, wait, I missed the part. And I rewind it to watch that part again because I just couldn't miss any parts of this movie. I had to watch the whole thing. Well, then you should pay attention for the first well, time. I ended up putting my phone down after a while. Sorry, I didn't so mean that's, that. So I'm saying, you know, one of my picks, I got to play on my phone. Anyway, because uh, it's actually a movie I care about. So... Going through the movie, the fact that I was catching myself rewinding and rewatching parts over and over again told me how deep I was into this movie. And when the movie was over, I could easily watch it again. I'm going to give this a 4.5. <laughs> respectable. Very respectable. All right, I'll go next. All right. So uh, I really enjoy the, uh, the knowledge that we gain in the John Wick universe, we find out more about who John Wick is with his past. We learn more about Winston and the uh, the life in the Continental and the different uh, aspects of the Continental. It is fascinating to see how this hotel has so many different sides to it. I also really enjoyed the adjudicator as well. She is a delightful character in her matter-of-fact, no-nonsense business approach to things. The Bowery King, I enjoyed learning and uh, appreciating him more. Lawrence Fishburne does that character magnificently. I enjoy his bravada in looking at his you know, hobo clothes, but he is nothing of that. He is, he is the Bowery King. Love him. I also enjoyed having the, uh, the stylish action, the, the choreography, the, the music, the, 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 it is so stylishly put together. So for me, I, as I was stating earlier, it is a very close call. Which one do I enjoy more, two, chapter 2 or chapter 3? And I think that chapter 3 ekes it out just a little bit more, but there are uh, gems in, in both 2 and 3. I, I think that for me, I, I'm going to nudge my score up just a little bit more and call it a 4.5. 4.5. 5. 4.5 from the both of you. I like this film. I like this film a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun from beginning to end. I like how it just continues from the second one and it keeps our story going. And I like how uh, the world that was introduced to us in the first film keeps expanding and we get new characters. And I like the fact that we get to watch John try and just become a free man. He just wants to live and remember his wife and just be left the fuck alone. But he can't because he's John Wick and he's got to do all this shit. There's a lot of fantastic scenes, very uh, a lot of rewatchable scenes. I love the horse bit. I love the the knife bit. I love the glass room bit. I love 
all of it. It's just a fantastic film. And we've kind of been gushing on this film all night. So I'm just going to cut to the chase. I am going to give John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum a 4.5 as well. Wow. If it's on TV, I'll fucking watch it. It was on not too long ago. And guess what? I fucking watched it. It is not often that we all agree on ratings. Yeah. So Don is grabbing our Bronco helmet where we have a bunch of movie selections in it. Don, do you want to explain our movie selections? All right. So we started this silly little podcast with five movies that we each liked. We folded them up, put them on a post-it note, put them in a Bronco helmet, and each week we would draw one. After we got done with those movies, we decided to do it by genre. So we chopped up some genres, threw them in the Bronco helmet, and we pulled out six genres, and we each picked one film from said genre. Uh, I have four of mine done. Ken has four of his done, and John has three of his done. I believe three. So now we are going to pick the next film out of our Bronco helmet. Whose pick is it? You're up, Don. Oh, is it me? Yep. All right. Period piece. What do you think, John? I don't know. I'm hoping it's my period piece. If it is, you guys are just going to hate me. All right, our next movie is going to be a period piece, and it is the musical starring... Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor, Moulin Rouge. Do you like musicals? I, I, I don't seek them out. This is very much a musical. I know. I do enjoy some musicals, depending on what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll go back and watch this, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, get to see all the Bohemians and artists. Yeah, well, I I get why it's a period piece. I yeah. guess more of a musical, but that's okay. Yeah, we're good. That's what I would think. I would call this a musical before a period piece, but I get why you're calling it a period piece. Yeah. yeah. So Moulin Rouge for next week. Hey, John, where can they find us? They can find us on our website at www.threeguysandaflick.com. They can find us at our Facebook page, our Twitter page, any popular or even not really popular podcasting hosting site, and where we live in Don's basement. All right. So... That's going to do it for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. This is Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. fucking rouge are you fucking kidding me right now i am not jesus Christ. you've seen it before right oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah. yeah i'm gonna rip this fucker to shreds <laughs>